Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode from Setting Tone. I am really excited to be bringing you this one. This is our Revenue Issues Setting Special. Stick around because I'm talking to you all about that right after this. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today is our Revenue Shooting Saints special. I am joined by Joel from the band, where we're talking about the band's upcoming album Against the Winds, which is out on the 9th of February, which is next Friday. We'll be playing you a track from the album um, coming up next called Change On My Mind, and then we'll be diving straight into an interview with Joel. Stick around. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. <laughs>
everyone, welcome to Joel. Joel, welcome to everyone. Joel is from the band Revolutionary States. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us. Um, going to talk about the upcoming album, Against the Winds, which is the uh, follow-up to Eagle Flight, I believe, that comes out later this year. Um, I think it's next month, is it? February 9th. February 9th. Yeah. Um, what is uh, what is Against the Winds about, Joel? Talk me through how the lyrical themes and it all came together. I mean, you know, the the way Frontiers runs it is usually Alessandro Del Vecchio and uh, external writers kind of compile the music and Frontiers kind of approves the songs as they go. And then uh, essentially they have Dean Castronova, Jeff Pilsen and myself perform the music. So um, as far as like the lyrical themes, and uh, you'd probably Alessandro Del Vecchio would probably be your guy to go to for that. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's the way they've run revolution saints since it began. And, um, it's very much like what, you know, the labels heavily involved in it and, uh, in terms of selecting the music, but I believe Alessandro for the most part writes all the lyrics. That a little bit of a blessing and a curse at the same time, having the label so heavily involved in that sense. Um, uh, I mean, I'm happy to go through the process of making a record with various levels of input. I mean, when I, when I do my Joel Hoekstra's 13 albums, that's something where I write all the riffs. I write all the vocal melodies, all the lyrics. Um, I approve the artwork, approve the mixes. So I'm sort of like, you know, very, very involved in that. And obviously most of the time when you're a part of a band like Whitesnake making a record, you're sometimes a part of co-writing some of the music and um, you have a bit of a say-so in some things, but it's more of a democratic process. And, um, you know, I, I find that all levels are kind of interesting to see what kind of results you get. You know, um, the Revolution Saint stuff um, it's particularly interesting just when you receive demos of the songs to hear how the songs come to life when each of the performers actually plays the parts as opposed to program drums or, you know, someone else kind of laying down a guide bass line of sorts or a guide guitar line. And then hearing everybody kind of put in um, with their their playing styles into it is really what brings it to life is in particular Dean Castronovo singing um, that just lifts everything to a whole nother level. And you hear him sing um, what's been laid down on the demo. It's just, it's astounding what he brings it to. In terms of uh, leveling up on the record, what did you do personally, John, in terms of improving your guitar work or bringing new ideas to the table there? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we usually receive like a guide track of sorts. Um, and then as you go through to actually record it, you know, obviously a big part of that is that the tone and getting the the sounds uh, the way you like them, and, you know, which predominantly is Les Paul for me. I'm a Les Paul guy. Um, although on this record, I did do some work also with a, a Jackson PC one, which is Phil Collins model from Def Leppard um, as a sustainer on it. Um, whenever I wanted to do maybe a little bit of whammy work as opposed to Les Paul, which obviously does not have that. And uh, having the sustainer on there is an interesting tool when you're recording, just to be able to kind of emulate feedback and, and notes that will ring longer. Um, so if, for instance, the, the single that's out uh, right now, Changing My Mind, I believe I actually played on the Jackson PC-1, despite playing it in the video on a Les Paul that was strictly out of necessity of only being able to fly to L.A. with one guitar for the, the video shoot. Um, uh, but that's a real nice sounding guitar. 
And uh, I predominantly use my my gold top Les Paul for all the rhythms. So, um, you know, it, com- it comes down to tone and time. And then you do tweak the parts, too, as well. So the parts that are on there, you're free to kind of alter a bit and toy with it and and then add things that you hear. Um, so I'll add overdubs that I hear as potentially cool parts for the songs as well. Um, so you do hold, uh, you do hold an effect on the, the outcome of the, the song itself. Um, it's more of a study in that regard, I suppose, you know, just like what difference the actual performances make. And I know this album is obviously quite closely released to the last one. Was that always intentional with, with, I suppose, again, that might be more of a label decision in terms of getting music out there frequently as opposed to two, three years down the line? Yeah, I mean, it, and it was actually recorded really shortly after Eagle Flight. It was like we had, we had recorded Eagle Flight and it was released. Um, I believe it had been released by the time I tracked Against the Winds, but it was like we dove right into recording another one. Um, so that actually was kind of nice. You know, it was like we felt like there was momentum. It was like you just got done tracking, I don't know, 11, 12 songs for Eagle Flight. And so it was like diving into the next batch a couple months later, something like that for me, because I had gone on the Trans-Siberian tour. I know I recorded my guitars um, January of 23. Um, And so then I think everybody kind of had their their parts in. I'm not exactly sure when everybody recorded their, their individual parts, but then um, I suppose just for a release schedule and not having it be totally on the heels of Eagle Flight, um, they they opted to release uh, early 24 here. It's good that, like you say, a lot of people might have gone, oh, God, not going back into the studio again. But it seems like you relished it, keeping that momentum, keeping the machine running. Yeah. I mean, like I said, for me, it was nice because I felt like, you know, emotionally, I was excited about Eagle Flight. That was something that... Um, you know, while I was tracking it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool. But Dean's vocals were not on there when I was tracking. And uh, so when I was recording, I was recording to um, Dean's drums and Jeff's bass, uh, but still the demo vocals were on there and uh, kind of demo keyboards even at that point. So it was really fun getting the mixes for Eagle Flight and going like, whoa, you know, just all of a sudden hearing what a difference it makes having Dean sing on everything was just really exciting. And a similar experience here with uh, Against the Winds. I mean, it's like, you know, Dean, um, because he's such a world-class drummer and known for such, you know, um, known as such, um, and, him primarily singing just a little bit of lead and journey. You know, people are aware that he has a great voice, but he's often left out of the discussion of the great rock singers that are out these days. I mean, he's really belongs in the discussion as you know, best rock vocalist like in the scene these days. I mean, he's unbelievably great at lead singing. It's um, really, really fun. And, and obviously his drumming is, is great. I mean, he's just got great, great feel on drums and um, he's a lot of fun to play guitar to um, the drumming. Uh, and of course, Pilsen's a monster on bass. You know, he's just, you know, not only got attitude, but, you know, time and tone and all the things we're talking about, all his stuff is, his work is what I just refer to as stellar. Everything is just as it should be. It feels like so. Um, you know, we had formed a, a bond and a relationship. Uh, the three of us back, we all toured together back in 2011 when I was playing with Night Ranger, 
the lineup was Night Ranger, Foreigner, and Journey. So we were on the road quite a bit that year. I uh, I would say at least six months out of that year that tour lasted. Um, so it was something where I ended up filling in for Mick Jones on that tour, even with foreigner for a bit. So Jeff and I really formed a bond because I was actually playing not only with night Ranger, but then hopping in on foreigner. And, uh, so we, you know, went through the blast furnace moment there of, I think I had 24 hours notice to get Mick's stuff together because Mick had kind of gone on and I hopped in, uh, playing with foreigner as well for a bit. And so, um, you know, the three of us knew each other really well from that tour. And, um, of course the initial lineup of revolution saints was Doug Aldrich and Jack blades, my, my old night ranger bandmate and, and, uh, and Dean. And, um, I think those Jack and Doug just kind of opted to, you know, Jack has night ranger right now. And, and, um, Doug is really focusing on the dead daisies. And I think they just kind of decided, I don't know if we want to continue doing it. And the label wanted to continue doing it. Dean wanted to continue doing it. Um, so they were choosing to form, I suppose you'd, what you'd refer to as a Mach two of this. Right. So, um, initially I was like, well, I, I guess I better talk to Doug and see if this is cool. Like, you know, with him, we got a nice friendship and get along well. And, um, you know, we had a very brief discussion about it. He said, no, actually I recommended that they get you to, to continue it and to keep it going. So, um, you know, there's no, no weirdness there. Um, so as soon as, I realized that, that, you know, he seemed cool with it. And I thought, okay, this is an opportunity to work with Dean Castronovo and, and Jeff Pilsen. And as a guitarist, that's a, you know, that's a wonderful thing. Um, in terms of making this better, this album, a better album than last one, how do you go about that? Do you look at anything that you've previously done in terms of ideas or do you just go, nope, it's all a fresh canvas, fresh start. We'll just take this literally face value for what it is. I, I mean, uh, you're every album you make, you're trying to do your best. So whether it it's better or not, that's always up to the listener in the end. Anyway, these things are always subjective. So, I mean, I, anything I go after um, in terms of making a record, I just pour my heart and soul into doing the best I can and playing the best I can on it. And this in particular with revolution saints, it's very much about the playing, the solos, are they a nice mixture of being melodic with some fire and some energy to it? Obviously we're not just trying to, you know, create pop music where it's a four note memorable solo. You want to have some guitar pyrotechnics involved in there for the style. And um, so it's, it's finding that uh, solo that serves the song, but also has energy to it. That doesn't sound like you're just trying to, you know, play Mary had a little lamb for the solo for everybody to be able to sing it back, you know? Um, so it's a lot about finding the, the melody. Um, sometimes that's about quoting something from the song's melody. And sometimes that's about creating an additional melody, an additional hook. Um, so a lot of it comes down to that. Is there a, a particular song or a section where you just go really proud of that? I, I'm, I can look back at that with a fond memory. I mean, I, I'm proud of all the guitar work I've done on both of these records, to be honest. I mean, I, it's it's all in in my opinion, it's it's something that I fit nicely with, um, you know, being able to it's fits right up my alley and solo is soloing wise. You know, I've I've never been one to say I'm just going to blaze as fast as I can for the 30 seconds of the solo. You know, my favorite players have always been kind of the people that have mixed those two things, you know. Um, melody with a little bit of technique um, 
as opposed to some of the scene today, some of the shred scene that you see online now where everybody's just constantly, you know, barrage of notes. Um, you know, I've always admired that and wanted to be a technically advanced player to a degree. Um, but you know, for me, it's always, um, been a bit more of a comfort zone to serve a song and be, um, you know, have a, have a nice guitar solo in a vocal song has been more of what's fit me early in my life earlier in my life, I had done instrumental albums and whatnot. They were a bit more fusion oriented and, um, kind of was doing the gigs at the baked potato and things like that. And, um, you know, I just found it wasn't, it, it was great. It was a great experience for me doing those. Um, but it wasn't necessarily what made me the happiest. And then I kind of realized like, well, look, I, I grew up listening to the vocal albums primarily, you know, albums with great songs on it where the guitar work on it was really, you know, great stuff. And so that, that seems to, you know, fit what I enjoy doing the most where I have the most fun. Um, but I also, I'm able to showcase a bit of what I can do on guitar. How have you found Joel coming into this band? Do you, do you feel that being in each different band can improve you as a, as a musician and guitar player, because you're playing with different people, you know, you're in that band at one point and now you're in this band and there might be another project. Do you think like these different people can enhance you as a, as a musician? Well, honestly, I mean, the, the, it's a very simple answer to that. And that's that, that anytime you spend actually playing guitar, you're getting better at guitar, just like anything else in life, right? If you played tennis X amount of time, it it doesn't necessarily matter who you're playing tennis against. Um, It's, it's your, as long as you're playing and obviously, you know, the higher the, the talent level gets around you, that just sort of happens inherently through improving you into playing with better musicians because your talent level is expanding. So, um, you know, that, that's why I've always looked at as a positive to stay busy and try and be playing music, whether that be recording it or writing it or um, playing live or even teaching it. I do virtual lessons as well. Any of that all helps me as a player. Um, it helps me stay active on a daily basis on guitar. So I'm not like, Oh geez, I haven't played in four or five days. I mean, that just doesn't exist in my world. I don't even really ever take a day off. Um, so that's, it's all part of, you know, sometimes people think it's solely about making a living or, you know, Oh, they, you know, making this record, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever, make money or, but it's for me, a whole lot of it is about improving as a player all the time as well. I think, you know, the more active you are in your instrument, the, the better you get. And I'm still very much interested in, in constantly improving. I think it's, it's really important to keep growing and um, doing what you do to the best of your abilities. Individual longevity, you, you guys are all part of, like I say, different bands and been a part of the scene a long time. What motivates you and keeps that flame burning for you individually after all these years of being a musician? Um, I think a lot of it for me. So I, I grew up in the Southwest suburbs of Chicago from like a not so well to do family. And um, we didn't have money and, and this kind of thing. The opportunities that I've had to you know, be a, be a part of white snake and trans Siberian orchestra and play with share and things like that. That's not really supposed to happen for a, a kid from my area. So, um, it's sort of a mixture of being motivated that things have worked out and then also pushing to see, well, I let's see exactly how far all this can go. 
Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to have had the opportunities that I've been able to get, um, because, you know, honestly, uh, my goal really was to just be a professional guitarist. It wasn't ever to be a rock star or anything like that. I just was like, I want to play guitar. This is what I enjoy doing. I want to just be a professional guitarist. So, um, I'm kind of shocked, honestly, um, at how many great opportunities I've had. Um, it, that, that can motivate you then to not only feel good about what you've been able to achieve, but what you might be able to still achieve if you keep going, you know? So, um, it's, it's a simple passion for it that started when I was 11, when I picked it up. And that was, uh, I like to say in a lot of ways, the last career decision I had to make, you know, when I was 11, I, I picked up an electric guitar and started playing and just was yeah, it was almost not even a moment where it was like, is this what you're going to do with your life? It just was what I did with my life from the time I was that age, you know, and um, I just obsessed on it and played constantly and was really into it. So um, it's I, I consider myself in that lucky group of people where, you know, almost like the kids that talk about wanting to be athletes when they're young or, you know, be a professional baseball player or football player or basketball player or whatever, whatever you get the, the point. But, um, you know, people kind of look at you like, yeah, right. Like that. What are you really going to do? Like, that's not going to work out. And, and for me, what I wanted to do at that age worked out. And I think that that's, um, you know, I, I, I feel really blessed to have gotten this far with it all. And, and, um, I just want to see where it can all go. Um, do you feel that this project perhaps lets you have a little bit more freedom, lets you feel a little bit more loose in terms of you're not necessarily restrained by another band's kind of ideas that you can have your own and do different things? Like I said, that, so. One of the interesting things about working in a band is there can be times when you're, especially when you're younger and you're kind of headstrong, where let's say you have an idea for a song and you want it to go a certain way and somebody else wants it a certain way. And when you first hear it, you think, no, the way I have it in mind is better. What I've found over the years, if you're willing to go ahead and roll with the other person's idea, six months down the road, you might not even remember what your idea was and you might love their idea. Sometimes it's like a very in the moment thing. So it's very interesting just, you know, the the I guess the the process of collaborating with other musicians you know, which you have to recognize is the fact that if you're working with four other people, well, really, it should only be your way 20% of the time. Right. And if it's your way, 80% of the time, that probably means the other guys are resentful and thinking this guy's always getting his way and it's too much of his thing. So, um, I have my opportunities when I make those Joel Hoekstra's 13 albums to kind of have that, like, Hey, this is going to be exactly the way I want it and do that. Um, but I think it's as a, pro musician, it's really important to be somebody who's open-minded with working with other musicians who are very talented or producers who have great ideas and following their production ideas to see where that takes you. Um, because sometimes that can yield different results. And every, every time you, you know, have a little different formula for how a record is made, it produces different results, you know? And, um, 
the answer isn't always to have it all your way. I think it's fun to collaborate and fun to go down the avenue of working with others and taking their suggestions and seeing what happens. Is that potentially when egos can clash if people are not prepared to give a little bit? I mean, I, I think that's that's a problem with a lot of the bands that that become successful because the the egos get stronger and um they're I'd say, you know, probably there's a lot of that, the bigger bands, I think a lot of that, that the fans don't recognize is often about just the money and the paycheck and the power within the band and the politics within the band. And um, so I, I try to keep myself uh, open to any suggestions and, and usually that served me well. I mean, you know, David Coverdale didn't have to include me in the writing process for flesh and blood at all. I mean, I would have been happy to um, just contribute my guitar playing, but I think I ended up overall uh, co-writing seven, seven tracks with him um, for that. And maybe even, I think eight, if you include one that was kind of released after the fact on um, the rock album, like in a box set. So, um, you know, David was very generous in having me in and, so sometimes just the easy to work with attitude will get you further than the I have the best ideas and the the aggressive approach. Sometimes just being the guy who's happy to be in the room and happy to work with other people, then they'll say, do you have ideas? It kind of bounces back to you. So um, the the easier going you are about it and the less like, hey, I need to you know, have my stamp on this. So you usually end up getting your stamp more just by being easy going about it, I think. Uh, aside from music, what are your passions outside of music that you like to get up to? Um, yeah, I mean, I do an awful lot of work with music on a daily basis. So my escape is usually um, just kind of... Um, I would say watching movies, simple stuff, playing basketball is a, a fun little hobby of mine, getting out and shooting baskets and um, anything that kind of doesn't take a lot to require a lot of mental effort. <laughs> Just as loud as to switch. Quite, quite simply, because I mean, I, I devote a lot of, uh, I'd say, mental energy to, to music on a daily basis. So it's usually something that allows me to kind of go brain dead. Um, just kind of zone out and relax. And those tend to be moments that I enjoy immensely at the end of the day, having an hour or so that I just chill out. And, um, you know, for instance, I mean, one of my habits is to rewatch movies, like rather than involve myself in a new movie, that's going to require the mental energy of following the plot. I'll just put on a movie I'm familiar with and kind of poke around on my phone through the social media accounts while I kind of half watch the movie and half do that. And, um, that's a great way to unwind for me. And, um, still is in a way productive, like, you know, you're interacting with, uh, people that are, you know, fans always seems like a kind of a strange term to use, but you know, the people that follow what you do and, and are assisting in, in your career and helping you be able to live your dream. And so it's always nice to be able to write people back and inboxes and things like that respond. And so if I'm watching a movie I'm familiar with, I'm able to do so and kind of go back and forth and not have it, you know, feel like I, it's, the same kind of energy that I'm devoting when I'm working on music. In terms of inspirations, where do you tend to pull your inspirations from, from when it comes to, you know, writing music? Do you, do you take that from like you say basketball or, you know, simple things like walking the dog or grocery shopping? 
So it, it can be a lot of different things. Um, you know, my influences are really, really wide in terms of what types of music. You know, I, I started out very much as a kid, heavy metal, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Dio, Iron Maiden, Scorpions. Um, but then definitely expanded into, um, I'd say, bands that were less heavy, but more melodic, like, say, Boston or Journey or Foreigner. Um um, I would throw into that mix, um, you know, the progressive bands like Rush and Yes, in particular, the Trevor Rabin era, Yes, um, that I really liked. And I'll even throw Queensryche in there, even though they're kind of a heavy metal band. But Queensryche was always proggy and I really enjoyed their stuff when I was younger. Um, the guitar albums, I grew up with a lot of that stuff, you know, growing up with the the um, the virtuosos, the Steve Vai and Joe Satriani's and Steve Morris and Ingve Malmsteen's and um, also very much into classic rock like, um, you know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff is uh, an influence on me as well. Um, but in terms of where uh, writing a song, a lot of times it'll start with a guitar, uh, a riff or a part. Um, however, I will a lot of times write uh, an actual melody for a chorus in my head or something as I'm walking around. I'll take a walk and I'll get a chorus in my head. Um, so several several ideas that have been on the Joel Hosher's 13 albums in particular start that way. Um, so it, it can happen in a variety of ways. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about writing, you know, there's no one way to do it. And, you know, I'd encourage everybody to recognize that, you know, other, other musicians, just because somebody says, this is how you write a song. That doesn't mean that's how you have to write your songs. Mm. That's the beautiful thing about uh, writing and creativity is that it can be a drumbeat first. It can be, you know, uh, words first. Sometimes people write just lyrics and then they go, well, let me turn this into a song now, you know? Uh, so I think that's beautiful. You know, that music can kind of come from any of those sources and, and grow. And then if you're a younger songwriter out there, I'd encourage people to to do it their way rather than trying to think about how it's supposed to be done. Well, it's then have it organic and um, unique to you as the individual, as opposed to trying to copy a formula. Exactly. I mean, I, I feel like that it comes down to the individual and then it also comes down to like what you're writing for, you know, like so. um if you're writing for certain things, for instance, you know, with Iconic, which is also on the Frontiers label, that um, that writing process is um, me writing the guitar riffs unarranged and then Michael Sweet arranging the guitar riffs in song form and maybe adding or subtracting where he deems necessary. And then that going to uh, Nathan James and Alessandro to write the vocal melodies and lyrics to. And so... Like I said, it's just very interesting when you you have these different little formulas for how the songs are created, what results they yield and how they sound. And then, of course, you got different performances on there and that performances do have a lot to do with how songs come out. You know, um, when you think about you know, great, great songs out there. Like I was talking about Pink Floyd about a little bit ago. Well, I mean, if David Gilmore hadn't played that first solo that brilliant solo and then the outro solo would that song be what it is it still might be a great song you know but that part and that contribution is certainly immense right like it's like a solo that everybody can sing back though this is one of the best solos 
um, you know, all the way down to Hotel California. If you think about like if that guitar solo is anything but that on the way out, and it's just so brilliantly constructed and played, and it's every bit as part as important to the song as the melody to the verse or the chorus. Um, so I, I think even just performances, you can make an immense contribution. So, um, and th that's a lot of what we're talking about with revolution saints. It's, it's a lot about like adding your performance to it. And, um, you know, people can, uh, I guess say that you're not actively involved, but you are, by the time you get done, like creating parts and, um, playing things that you hope are adding to the songs and uh, serving the songs, you're, you're emotionally invested. Cool. Uh, last few for myself. Uh, what is your favorite track from the album? If you have one, um, I, 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 I'm not big on the favorites, you know, there is so I, I, I like all the music on it. I liked all the music on Eagle flight too. So, um, I'll just I leave that up to the person. And that depends on your mood, whether you want the song to be the darker minory kind of more rock and stuff. I'd say, you know, some of the stuff um, on the last two records has taken up at times a heavier edge um, than maybe the first few albums where it's not just, you know, straight up like journey influenced style music. Um, however, obviously there's a large dose of that in this, you know, Dean, obviously, you know, being a part of journey and having, um, a tone that's got that natural rasp to it, like Steve Perry. Um, there's always going to be that comparison there. Uh, but I, I enjoy all of it. So I, I, I don't have one for you. Sorry, mate. No, that's all right. Uh, it's, it's good because that means you can go from each day and you can, Fluctuate. It could one day it might have been that one that might have been your preferred one. The next day, that's that's cool. Um, what is next for Revolutionary States? What can we expect? Um, as, as far as I know, I, you know, I I think people can still plan on us releasing music, and um, you know, I would love to do some shows for it at some point in time. Certainly, Dean um, has talked about it. Jeff has talked about it. Um, I think it's just a matter of how that lines up logistically, but that would be obviously the next step to try and actually get it out. Um, I, I personally feel like as we're seeing a lot of the original eighties bands kind of go into situations where there's health issues or into retirement, that the importance of um, some of these bands that have had members of bands come together and play music together and the ones that have been successful, I think their importance is kind of moving up because people still want to see members from those bands be, be out on the scene playing music. So it would be great. I would love to be able to play um, live with Revolution Saints. We'll see if that's possible. Yeah. I think you've just said something there that's really um inspiring and, and kind of not everyone thinks about that unfortunately we are losing a lot of the older bands you know time is time it, it gets us all and health is you know that so it's really cool that like you say that hopefully there's a way that any members that are left from these bands they can kind of come together and still showcase their abilities and people can see and, and you know honor that still well it's an interesting situation because you know like i'm i'm somebody who grew up i was in high school when the 80s were happening i wasn't yeah, I wasn't of age to be out there in the 80s scene. I was 15, 16 years old. So um, when 
the 90, when I got out of guitar school, the 90s hit and I kind of played all sorts of different gigs to kind of just be a professional guitarist and be able to make a living. Um, but then as the 80s resurgence happened, I ended up joining Night Ranger and, and White Snake and um, being a part of Broadway's Rock of Ages, the show and, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And uh, so the fans, they begin to know you. And they want to see you, even though you're not an original guy, they do form a bond with you um, because now you're starting to talk. I've, I've been, you know, I joined Night Ranger in 2008. So I've been kicking around this scene for 16 years. So I do have a lot of people that I've bonded with and formed a relationship with. And um, so it's uh it's just interesting to watch that occur and um you know we're the people like myself we're not quite ready to call it a day and say well that i guess that's that's it for me then you know it's like i'm I'm too young to do that i still have many years good years left in me to be out playing music so um you know how that develops is kind of the fun part and like how you know what that what happens? Is it with these projects that you've been kind of recording with on the side? Do those move up? Is it something different? Is it, you know, you just never know with music. And um, like I said, most of the things that I've been able to achieve have been very unexpected to me. Um, but you just, if you work hard and you go after everything with uh, the attitude of just trying your absolute very best and putting your heart and soul into it, then certain things take off that you can never expect. You know, those prime examples, you know, when I was 11 years old playing Black Sabbath songs, at no point in time was I saying someday I'm going to play with Cher. You know, that was like that was nowhere in my mindset. There was no there was no plan for that. But as that turns out to be later in your career, that's a wonderful opportunity to spend a few years touring with her and play for huge crowds and play with this iconic personality, you know, and uh, the other one would certainly be Broadway, you know, playing in Rock of Ages and that you know, you're not 11 years old picking up the guitar going someday I'm going to make it to Broadway. You know, that's not at all in the, the game plan. So you just you don't know where things are going to take you. You just kind of work hard at things and and uh, let life kind of guide you and see what sticks and um, just try to be appreciative of the situation. And and sometimes the, the things that work for you in life aren't what you planned. Um, you know, you can't plan it down to the detail of I want to be a member of this band. I, um, I have a lot of younger people that I notice are like that. And I try to encourage them to broaden their horizons a bit and be open minded and just start playing with everybody and everything and then see what happens see what sticks, go after everything. And then, you know, not everything's going to stick or hit, but um, certain things do. Very true. Um, and ask me for myself, Joel, what makes music so special for you? Um, I mean, I, I think it's just something that I was born into because my, my parents are both classical musicians. So I was from day one of my life surrounded by listening to high level classical piano being played in, in the home and, they had me playing cello and piano at a very young age. Um, so learning to read music, developing my pitch and time before I even knew how to probably write my letters in the right direction, you know? So, um, I mean, I, I think I was three when I was playing cello. So, um, it's, it's just something that's in me from a very young age. So it's probably something that I can't even articulate, but it's just kind of a part of who I am. Cool. Joel, thank you very much for your time this evening um, here in the UK. Um, I appreciate that. I wish you all the best with the album when it's released next month. I hope if everyone goes well and 
hopefully get some shows. Who knows? Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I would love that as well. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good one, mate. Hope to see you. you soon. Yeah, definitely. Bye. All the best, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the track there, uh, Changing My Mind, from the album um, Against the Winds, which is out, like I say, on the 9th of February uh, via um, Frontier Records. That would be one that you can stream, and I believe you can buy physical copies. If you would like links to that, please head over to Set and Tone's Facebook and Instagram page, simply Set and Tone UK Podcast, and the links will be up there for you to purchase stream and check out the band's social should you wish to do so uh, a couple of shouts i want to say thank you once again to joel for taking the time out of his day to join me on setting the time to discuss the album um, and discuss his love and passion for guitar and uh, you know giving us an insight into the album and his personality um also want to give a shout out to duff press once again for helping set up this one um can't thank you enough and to you guys and girls out there for tuning in to yet again another episode and hearing my voice Until the next time, bye-bye for now and stay safe.